What's going on, everyone? My name is Jonathan. I'm the host here at the Venue RX Podcast, and I am so excited to have Cece Todd with me here today. Cece, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Venue RX Podcast, where we provide your weekly prescription of tips, tools, tactics, and inspiration to start or grow your wedding and events business. And now, without further ado, our host, Jonathan Amen. All right, so I wanna jump right into it. First, I have to talk about that incredible flower that's in your hair because I, I feel like that is like almost a, a trademark. Uh, that's like a thing. Like I've, that's, you know, it's on your picture on Clubhouse where we first met. Where did that come from? Well, it is definitely like a trademark. I always kind of loved wearing a flower in my hair prior to being CC of CC Designs. And so when I first started doing weddings, every now and I was known for kind of matching the wedding, like whatever the theme of the wedding was, I would match it. And if I had a flower to match, sometimes I would put it in my hair. But being that I always wore pink a lot, I just loved pink. Then it just started being like, always wearing a pink flower, always wearing pink. And then it just, the handful of times that I tried not to wear one, people were like, what's going on? <laughs> so I was like, okay. All right. So it literally is part of me. It, but what's really cool is if I don't want to be, it's almost like I'm Superman and Clark Kent, because if I take it out, people are like, where'd she go? Oh yeah. Where'd I don't like, even know. This is like a different podcast guest. What, I mean, who, what are we doing? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Well, it's only fitting that you have a flower in your hair. You are an incredible floral designer. I've been checking out some of your work online, uh, reviews, all sorts of stuff. I can't wait to start sharing that uh, and, and share that here, your story on the podcast here today. Um, where? How did you get your start in this industry? I mean, why'd you pick floral design? Well, funny story. My first career was um, I was a professional singer. I, that's always what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a singer. I uh, went to, knocking my ear pot out. I went to Nashville, worked on making an album, um, had a contract, had a producer. Um, that was my world. And then I went through a really just life ripping apart divorce. And um, I walked away from it. I like, I was originally doing country um but then everybody always said I sounded too R&B to do country then I started doing gospel um and then I did kind of like a, a, a mosh posh of it I mean I've reported at Dark Horse Studios in Nashville I mean like you name it but um when my life started falling apart I just kind of walked away from it I mean I don't have many regrets. That's probably one of them. And, um, but on and off through that time, because, you know, when, if you know any musicians or if you know anybody who's in that world, we don't have real careers. We have side jobs that pay for like our music and our singing gigs. Okay. So I always did floral design. That was always just, I learned how to do floral design right after I got married and I worked at a flower shop and then I did weddings, but it was always just kind of like this one I'm going to fall back on. Um, so when I went through my divorce and I came back and just decided I was done and, um, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I just walked away from it all. Um, I found this amazing man. I got married. I had my beautiful daughter and my mom was like, Hey, we should do flowers. And I was like, mom, I've never had a desire to a be an entrepreneur or be 
own a flower shop and be chained to it, you know, 80 hours during Valentine's Day week and all the things. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let's just do weddings. And I was like, you want all to just do weddings. I mean, you gotta remember this was seven years ago. Um, and she was like, well, I mean, who says, let's just, you know, we'll do a couple weddings a weekend. You'll be able to see your child more often than ever. And I was like, sure. Filled with baby hormones. I was like, why not? That <laughs> sounds like such a great little thing. And um, about two years in, my mom was like, yo, I'm in my seventies. I'm out. I did not sign up for world domination. I don't know what happened. And I just realized that God had just moved me from one stage to another. Um, it is just something pretty amazing when you when you slide into where you're supposed to be. I'm, I don't think this is where I was always supposed to be, but it is pretty supernaturally amazing when you step into something that, that just fits like a glove. Everything starts falling into place and you're like, oh, and it just took off from there. As, at that point, at the seven-year mark, or you said you started about seven years ago, but at what point did your mm -hmm. mom uh, kind of exit? About a year and a half to two years in. When she okay. realized I was in it for world domination and she was in it for like weekend fun money, <laughs> she was yeah. like, this is not now. So how did that, how did that happen? How did you, what, what changed in that time of you just starting, you know, you said baby hormones, which are totally real, right? I've got four kids and my wife just, oh my God, she's a saint. Uh, I don't know how she, how she does it, but you know, going from there to being like, I'm going to dominate this space. I'm going to dominate the world. I'm going for it. What changed there? Um, a lot changed there. I mean, I think when I first, you know, I'm like a lot of people that can go about starting their own business different ways. There are a lot of people that do all this research and get prepared. And then there's the people that just jump in. And I was just a jump in. I knew nothing about running my own business. The only thing I knew was about how to do flowers. And so the first year, year to year and a half, it was just kind of holding on, you know, that you see that cat that's just like, yeah, and all those like memes, just holding on for dear life. So after I kind of got about a year and a half in and I realized there was so much more like, oh, wait, I could do what? This can go where? I could be a speaker. I could be, you know, it started my expansion of what was out there. And I didn't have to just be locked into this budget floor. Like I wanted so much more. That's just my personality. I'm a seven. I'm always like, here we are, but what's the next thing? And so that craving just made me realize that there were all these other things and I remember seeing like people that were way in a different spot of me. And I was like, I'm going to be there. And then once I got there, I realized that there was like this whole nother level. And I was like, and I'm going to get there. And so it was just like blinders. It was just, um, I think also too, when you're post baby, your wife will understand this and nothing feels right. And you feel like, like just all, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm just here to be a milk factory. And, you know, it's like all, everything's put into question about who you are. But also, all of a sudden, you have this new thing of like, it's not, it is about you, but it's not about you. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, I got like, I've got a child now, and I want to leave a legacy. And I want to create something for her. And, you know, and I just went at it full, like, as my family says, like a dog to a bone. If I set my sights on something, there is no way I am not going to accomplish it. Even if it can't be done, I will still say I did. Like that's just, <laughs> I've just that's, refused to admit defeat. 
I love that. I love that. I think that's one of the traits that I've seen in every single successful entrepreneur. You've got that drive, you've got that passion, and it doesn't necessarily matter whether, you know, you won a big contract or lost a big contract or had a success or a failure. You're just going, you're passionate about it. You're excited about it. I love that. So you're based out of Birmingham, correct? Okay. Why Birmingham? Alabama. Why? Okay. Why? So why Alabama? Is that where you were born? Yeah. I've, I've never, outside of my brief stint in Nashville, I've never lived anywhere else. I've been I've born and raised in Alabama. God, God bless. I've done a lot of traveling, but I've never lived anywhere else. So yeah, this is where I'm from. And that, that created a, a whole different hurdle. I mean, I wanted the accolades in the, to be at the level of all the people that did what I did, but they lived in New York or California. And I was determined that I was not going to have to pack up my world and move, that I could still do it from Alabama. Um, but I mean, I started a little bit behind the starter, you know, the, the starting line than probably most people because of that. But that just was just another challenge to get over. So I was going to ask you just in your travels and the work that you've done as an educator, do you feel like the there is a massive difference in the wedding and event culture or industry in some of those places, maybe New York, California, than in some places in the Midwest, uh, Alabama, or some of those other places? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is why, in good and, and in bad. So, I mean, let's talk about COVID. I mean, in California and New York, ain't nobody even walking outside their doors right now. In yep. Alabama, we're like, COVID what? <laughs> we're, having, we're having weddings I mean 200 300 I mean straight out the gates I, I mean I am in the high-end and luxury market now so straight out the gates we went to tiny weddings with giant budgets I mean giant budgets for like four, 30 40 people you know what I'm saying like there it was like it really, really was like COVID what but you know people what? were still spending money still booking weddings well, and Cece, I was going to ask, when you say giant budget, just to give us a perspective of, of what that is, are you, yes. uh, is, is a giant budget like a hundred thousand dollar wedding? I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here in terms of budgets? Okay. So for me, it's, it's, um, well, first of all, I live in Alabama. Yes. And a lot of people think it's all gun racks and rebel flags. No. Um, Mountain Brook is one of the 50 wealthiest cities in the United States, which is here in Birmingham, which is a lot of where I service a lot of clientele. So for me, like where I say luxury starts is a quarter of a million to half a million dollar weddings. Okay. So 300,000 up to 500,000. Um, that's a wedding as a whole. But if you really start to think about price per person, um, like for me, it can still, it's, it's, it's a ratio of what they spend. Okay. So yes, I've done that big of a wedding, but also a bride that only has 30 people at her wedding, but spends $29,000 on florals. When you break that down price per person, that is a higher end luxury wedding than even a $300,000 wedding. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Wow. Okay. So right. this is, so, that's a, I mean, that's definitely a luxury wedding right? How, when you got into this industry and you were like, let's do florals and your mom, you know, you kind of, your mom wanted to have the weekend money and you just kind of got started, right? Going back there. Did you just launch right into this? Did you know that the luxury market was where you wanted to be? Or did you, was that kind of an evolution to get you into where, you know, you are right now? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, I, I tell people, I mean, I hate sounding like those old people that were like, in my day, you youngins <laughs> have, but I mean, literally, if I can't, I can't imagine where I would be today if I would have known in my first year of business what really could happen. Like, I just had no clue. I just thought I was going to be in Alabama and I was going to do some wedding flowers. Yay! I mean, like, I didn't even, like, I was telling somebody the other day, there was either me or like, um, David Tutera. Like there was no in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like either you're famous and you're living in California or you're doing like local weddings. Like there was, I didn't realize that there was all these other levels. So no, I mean, when I first came into business, I did everything wrong. I mean, the whole reason I teach and educate is my tagline is I made the mistakes so you don't have to. I mean, I was proud of being budget. I mean, my first weddings were $800 floral budgets all day long. And I was like, uh-huh, sure, I get $500 and you want all the flowers for, sure, I can do that. Those people over there have a $3,000 minimum. Oh my God, they're such a snob. I can do that for you. Something I like I took pride and I could do it cheaper than everybody else because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so it was probably, probably my second year or, or in my second year of business, when I started being like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't, I, it, it really was like, I want to get paid to do what I love instead of doing what I hate to just get some money because I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Cause I was having to do cheap budget. You know, the whole reason I got into it was to be creative and do all the like amazing things, things I had dreamed of. And I just never realized that I could do that and I didn't have to pick up everything and move to California or New York. So once I once that like realization sunk down into my brain that I could feasibly do that. And just to be like real honest with you and just to circle back, I think being in the music industry and knowing that even if I probably would have stayed in really would have just still I you know, I have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than I do of being a household name, you know, there's no amount of really work, ethic, hustle, knowledge. I mean, yes, you can have all that and you can still be a nobody in the music industry, you know what I'm saying? But I think once I realized that this was totally different, that I could just press my way into doing what I wanted to do and that I didn't have to wait for like the lottery to hit, I was like, let's do it. And so, yeah, like I, I tell people I went from budget to luck in, in uh, four years. Um, and, but I say the first two years don't count because I just I didn't know what I'm doing. I was just was like doing some fun weddings, just thinking, I mean, I had no concept. So it wasn't until like my second year that I was like, oh, this is on. Okay. So for anyone listening right now, who's like, holy crap, Cece is my spirit animal. I love what she said. Everything like this is that that's me. I'm in that two year you know, you two years into the industry, I don't really know that much. Maybe they're from a small town, maybe they're running a venue or they're, you know, doing something like that in an area where they don't feel like, you know, maybe has the glitz and the glam of New York or California, just like you're saying, what, what would be a piece of advice that you could give to them to kind of go along this journey into getting into working with better clients, getting those bigger budget weddings? Um, did you have kind of something that you did in that? Did you, was it a mentor? Was it coaching? What did you kind of do to make that jump? How can other people do that as well? Um, I did a lot of stalking and I did a lot of failing. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, stalking? I saw stalking. Nice. Yeah. Like I, like I would cool. stalk my competitors that did <laughs> what I wanted to do. 
And then I would make sure that I did that next year. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. like, oh, she's there. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I used comparing yourself to someone else. And some people would probably debate me on this in a more um, healthier way because I used it not to be like, wah, 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 but like, I'm doing that next year. That's good. Um, Positive. Right? Absolutely. So I, was just I love like, it. I'm taking that from you. Like, I'm going to, like, that's going to be me. And so that's how I really did that. Um, I will tell you that there were big shifts in my business. Okay. Huge shifts. And the the three biggest shifts that I think cat, that catapulted my, my business really for the mindset, realizing that it was even, even out there and, and not comparing, not saying, that doesn't exist, so I can't do that. Once I realized that I could do anything I wanted to, and that if the first, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, if the Wright brothers would have been like, well, things don't fly, and, you know, and some Graham Bell would have been like, there's no such thing, you know, where would we be? So sometimes you just have to be okay with that doesn't exist, and I'm going to make a way, and until I'm dead in the ground, I, I'm going to firmly believe it can happen. So that mindset was number one. Number two was proper branding. That seems so cheesy, but proper branding and a logo. I was just telling somebody the other day that my very first branding, because I'm like, I'm a creative. I know how to work clip art. You know, I can do like a logo. Well, that's not my, no, I should have never attempted to do that myself. I mean, my very first branding was clip art. Um, It was three templates from Vistaprint. My cards on the back said, I got these cards for free if you would like some. I mean, like it was at a duck on at a duck on a barrel to some flowers that I had done. I mean, it was just it was an atrocity. Um, and so we were probably about a year and a half in when I was like, hey, I keep hearing these people talk about branding and I need a logo. And my family was like, no, 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 no. We need to make more money and then one best. And I was like, no, 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 no. We need to get this and then it's gonna get better. And I just went toe to toe with them. And finally, I was just like, well, I'm doing it. I mean, my name on the shirt, so whatever. I'm just, And so I invested money that I didn't have in branding and a logo. And as you see, I, it's on everything that sits still, still to this day. Um, I totally, it took me from, I'm just here to play to like, I'm serious. This is, this is my jam. Like I invested in me and my business and I quit just utilizing free cheap resources that were to you know available to me that was a huge huge catalyst I would probably say that was the very first one after mindset and then the last one was when I went for three years um CC designs was over my mom's three-car garage now listen my mom lives in a palatial mansion let's let's be real okay so over her three-car garage was not like slum dog millionaire like let's just be clear about that but I started growing my clientele. And I remember the first time I lost my first, it was a $30,000 floral budget that I knew somebody was going to do. I wanted it. I knew I could do it. I had tried to prove it in all these different ways. There was no reason why the planner wouldn't, I actually reached out to the planner and was like, hey, I know they're getting married. I want this, you know, but they were always bringing me like their dinky little small ones. And um, they never even brought them to me. They wouldn't even let me like speak to them. I was so I was so angry but it was like I had an epiphany to where I was like well why would they you know I work out of my mom's garage okay if you're willing to spend thirty thousand dollars just on your floors you're looking for an experience you're looking for a luxury like you don't need it Starbucks okay they're they're looking for for a totally different 
you wouldn't hire an attorney that was like, yeah, come to my office that I run over my house at my garage. And here's them. I'd be like, you shady. No, 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 <laughs> no. So yep. that was when I was like, I need a space. I need a space that says, yet again, I ain't playing. I'm here for real. So we got the space that I'm in now. It's a 4,000 square foot warehouse, um, office, combo space. I mean, everything is painted white with gold and chandeliers. But I mean, that was literally the next thing that I think really catapulted me. And I just made these huge investments in my company, which solidified me as I'm not going away. Mm -hmm. And kind of, I, I, I picked up on these cues that I was finding that I felt would elevate myself and my brand. And I invested in them. I love that you said you were, you said you used the word stalking, but I really feel like it's market research, right? You yes. were understanding what was going on in your market. You understood what your competition was doing. You understood what it took to be competitive in your market. And then you took that and you ran with it, right? You added yes. your own CC flair to it. Uh, talk to me about your family because you mentioned family. And I think a lot of business owners, especially in our industry may work. There may be husband and wife couples. They might be brother and sister. They might be, you know, relatives, um, speak to, talk to me a little bit about some of the maybe not so great parts and how you have worked with that. Because you said, you know, like you said, it's my shirt on the, uh, my name on the shirt, you know, like I'm going to do this, but you got a little bit of pushback and I know a lot of people probably do with making decisions. So was there, is there some ways that you go about doing that? Or is it just kind of always a, a, a struggle or, you know, how do you approach that? Well, my mom is out of the, like, she's still a co-owner of the business, but she just, you know, sits at, over at her house and every now and throws her two cents in. It's not the same business it was when we first started. But what my staff looks like, and I'm, I'm going to answer this question, is I have myself and my husband who technically run, oh, there we go, technically run CC Designs. Um, he handles my social media and my marketing. And yet again, I don't know if y'all keep picking up on the two to three year mark was when a lot of changes happened. And we were about two years in and my mom banked out, but I needed more help. I was like, you got to quit your job. You got to quit your job. I cannot meet with the bride, watch the buckets, order the flowers, go to the wholesale house. Back it up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was like, I can't do all that. And then post on social media, Pinterest, da, da, da. I was like, I just can't do it. And he was like, okay, well, I have a business and a marketing degree. At the time, he was um, a national, like, dis like uh, for a national mattress company, he was like the district manager. And I was like, if you don't quit your job, I'm going to have to hire somebody. And he was like, well, what do you think we're going to have to pay him? And I was like, I have no clue. And he was like, well, this might be cheaper, you know, if I come do it. And I was like, yes, yeah, so you're going to have to quit your job because I can't do this. <laughs> so he came and helped me run my business and um, still to this day helps me run my business. But his business emerged out of that also, which is GT Marketing Consulting. So he came in and handled all my social media marketing and literally was like my assistant and everything. And yes, we stayed married. That's amazing. Um, but he really saw that like bit like not meaning to get like emotional and too into the husband and wife thing, but it takes a special couple that can do this. There has to be the um, house and there has to be the foundation. There has to be the megaphone and then there has to be the power cord. You know what I'm saying? And so he was very okay with you 
are the star, okay? And I am here, like, let me be a resource because I can tell that this, this is the way we need to go. And so having that servant heart and really just wanting to make me be the best that I could, um, really just, I, I owe a lot to my mom, but I owe everything to him because mm -hmm. I just wouldn't, I don't, I, I would not be here if it wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. And he really was my sounding board and really helped put the business mind behind the creative mind because we're creative. The people that do what I do, we're creatives. We're not business savvy people. So you've got to have that other half, that person that is that sound mind, that support, that don't do that. That's a bad choice kind of person. So yeah, there, there was a lot of tug. There was a lot of fights. There was a lot. But we figured out how to work through it. And we also figured out that he didn't need to be in that role of the everything person for me. So now I have a COO. I have two assistants, we're, which both of them are gone and we're trying to hire. We just hired one, now I need the other one. Um, I have two assistants. I have him, which does my only my social media and marketing now. I have a graphic designer, which now handles all of the visuals. And then I have a PR person. But when he came on board, he did all of that. And yet again, we stayed married, but, but now I've managed to surround myself with people that are a lot like him to be like one of the first things I tell people in business is figure out what you suck at and hire somebody to do, help you do that. I, I can't even balance my own checkbook. Like, don't even, like, it's not a thing. So when I started this company and I was like, oh wait, I got to run the money. I mean, it was a show I mean it was like a disaster because I'm like I no no and so uh, we have an encounter I mean like I have just figured out the things that I fell at and have and found people to come in and help me with that but ultimately I put them in those positions to be that soundboard to be because I know that I am one train rail away from you know a dumpster fire you know so I have to <laughs> I know that I have to surround myself with people that are like rain it back yep. but there are days that I, I don't use it a lot but when I know I'm right and when I put my foot down I it's a joke around here I'm like whose name's on the shirt okay and that's when they're like okay okay that's, but I but I intentionally surround myself with people that are going to give me pushback so that I have to make hard concentrated decisions on things and I have to be very aware and responsible for the decisions that I make does that answer your question 100%. <laughs> Give me one second, actually. Okay. I saw, I saw that there was a, uh, a little light beeping that was a little different than the normal light that I have. And I'm like, what is going on over there? But the guys- You're like, are, the whole thing's gone. It didn't record. We're going to start all over again. <laughs> I'm like, are we? No, but we're great. We're, we're in excellent shape. And just like you were saying, I have a team that does the things like they are the video editors and the audio engineers and they do those things. So um, I absolutely yeah. love that. Cece, I want to ask you about that, that you were just talking about with, with time management, but delegation, because I think a lot of people in our industry really struggle with it. There's this idea that, you know, they are the best person 
to do everything. And it's such a struggle to release it. And because people, I feel like they have some of these bad experiences where they delegate it once or twice, and maybe they don't even delegate it correctly. And then the project doesn't get finished correctly or some issue happens and then they start getting jaded and they start saying, well, I can't find anyone. There's no good people out there. All of this, right? How have you managed to find those people and put them in their power positions so that you're freed up to just be you and be awesome and go get the clients and be creative? Like how, how did you do that? And where, what would you give advice to like maybe a struggling small business owner? Maybe there's one, two people in the business that just can't break out of that smaller operating environment, but they want to. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, there's a whole different formula on whether you're a man or you're a woman. I'm just going to be legit about that. Women, men are like, okay, no big deal. Women are like, I have to do everything to be validated. Okay. They're like, if I say I can't do this, that, or the other, I am failing as a woman. So and you can. All, the, got- funny, <laughs> the funny part can. is you women are amazing. Like just so good. Very capable. Very capable. But we're, but we're dead tired. We're pissy. We're angry. We're worn out. We're just hostile. And that's why, because we're trying to be superwoman. So you got to stop that. You don't get bonus points. No business owner gets bonus points at the end of the day because they did it all. Like, you know what? I did all this myself. It's not like you wear a badge that says, oh, well, you're a better business owner. Most people are like, well, you're an idiot. Like, you know, there's people for that. So, I mean, that that's probably the number one thing is to break that mindset. We are not built to be solopreneurs. It's not healthy. All right. It's just not. All right. We're not a solopreneur is a human that can do every single thing they need to run a business perfectly. Who is that human? Nobody. <laughs> that, me. that means that you are every Enneagram number. That means that you are, I mean, you, this just doesn't exist. So quit that first of all. Okay. And realize that it is okay to realize what your realm of genius in is and what you suck at. Okay. And then the second thing is, is to understand the power of delegation, but delegate it right. Okay. Women hate to delegate because we're like, it's a fact for me to do it myself. I mean, I bet your wife is like that with you and you're like, could you hang that on the, whatever, I can just do it faster. All right. So that's just how we are. So it takes a lot for us to be like, and let me show you how to do it. And as soon we're like, we just, we don't have time to wait on you to figure it out. So then we're like, we'll just do it faster. So that's the next thing that has to be broken because if you do it right the first time, you won't, you should never have to do it again. Okay. So all the people that, how did I find the right people? I failed at the first 20 before them. I mean, SK is not, SK was my, my assistant. Was she my first assistant? No, she was my seventh assistant. Mm-hmm. Not because I was a disaster to work for, which that was also part of the problem, but also because I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know what I needed. I wasn't delegating properly. I was expecting them to be mind readers. I, you know, I didn't know how to run a business. So they were failing in my eyes, but because I wasn't preparing them properly. So it took me going through that many assistants, you know, and each one getting better. And then, you know, when they left, I was like, oh, they were fine. And then I would have another one. I'm like, oh, you can do that, you know, so realizing, curating a position that I needed and to better understand how to fill it. Um, 
I don't think you're going to get it right. I mean, if you hire the first person and they're just perfect and last 20 years with you, you need to just be lighting candles at mass every single hour <laughs> and thanking Jesus for just all the things that have lucked out for you. I mean, that's just not a thing. So, you know, if you give up after the first person or the second person be like, this isn't going to work more than likely you expected more of them than you were willing to give them. Okay. And that's the hardest part to understand as a business owner. And what I have found out is that I will train, I will bring people in as a catch-all, as a business catch-all, literally. Like I warn them, this is a small business. You might be my assistant. You might be my, you, you might do some marketing. Like you're going to be all that. We're small business. We all wear different hats. Then I watch and see where they shine, where, you know, like I said, my last assistant didn't quit, didn't get fired. She, after her 90 days was up, I realized that she was horrible at being my personal assistant. I mean, she was a travesty because she was exactly me. And so at SK, my uh, COO would be like, what are y'all doing in there? Y'all are just like, yeah, like you're supposed to be keeping her on patent. And she was like, y'all are just like two peas in the pod. It's like ADD. ADD, like both, it's not working. But then I realized that she was amazing at being a graphic designer and working on my website. That's what she does now. So, and it what, and so a lot of times you have to find the right person that is the right counterbalance to you. In the beginning, I would always hire people that I like wanted to hang out with and where we're best friends. Well, they're too much like me. I need somebody who can do the opposite and to be my assistant to kind of handle things for me. And so SK started off as that. Then she became my business manager. Then she found this overwhelming love to get our finances straight and became my COO, my CFO. Um, but it was like a growing position. So I always, the long short of it, is advise just bring somebody in and start teaching them things and see where they excel and then start moving them more into that position. And once even the things that they fail at will help you better determine what you pick for that position next time. Um, and my advice that I always give small business owners, and, and I can't take credit for this, one of my best friends, Ashley Stork, who owns Magnolia Vines, taught this to me when I was first starting to hire. And I don't even know who she learned it from, but she said, before you ever hire, like, before you hire one more person, you have got to sit down and you have got to write out every single thing it takes to run your business. Like, and she was like, and if, if you scribble it down in an hour and you're done, wrong like this like it's going to take a while and so I kept it on my notepad on my phone and it took like three weeks because I would stop and start again stop and start again but I mean everything from like I got to get Bella to school somebody's got to get her dressed to I got to go to the wholesale house somebody's got to answer emails somebody has to do this somebody has to you know like everything it takes to run my business and she said when you feel like you've got the, that list complete then you start taking those things and breaking them into subcategories, like all the things that concern your family, all the things that concern um, office duties, all the things that concern clients. And she was like, what you'll realize is now you made job descriptions of people you can hire. And that's how I figured out what I needed and how my team needed to come together all from that one list. So if mm -hmm. anybody's thinking about doing that, that has got to be the first place that you start. And I know I'm talking a long time, but I'm going to wrap this up. The second hundredth thing is... You're awesome. Keep it going. I love it. Yeah. The second hundredth thing is that I just did... So I have a, a, a clubhouse every single Monday called Live with Cece. 
And on Live with CC, it's the only one that's formatted. And what it is, is it's five tips on one topic. And as soon as it, we get going, it's like, bam, 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 bam. Like I'm giving you five takeaways, tips, steps, whether we're talking about vetting, hiring, outsourcing, you know, whatever it is, but that's how Live with CC works. And so um, not this past week, but the week before, it was on, the title was the five reasons why you cannot afford not to outsource. And when people hear what I have to say, it's like it clicks and it's an aha moment. I am very transparent. I tell people, I did not always cost this, but at the point in time in my life, what I value my time at to where somebody was just going to be like, can I have you for an hour? Sure. It's going to be $450. Like right now, I charge 450, sometimes, like sometimes depending on what I'm doing, maybe $500 an hour, but that's what I value my time at. Not that I am sending billable hours out to clients, but hey, that's what I'm worth. And I at least spot check that every now and then to make sure me and my company is bringing the equivalent of that in. It's a whole totally different teaching. But so if if that's what I value my time at, if I sit down for an hour and I check emails, and I pay bills, then it just costs my company $450 an hour for me to do it. As, wow. So people always like, I can't afford to hire anybody. Really? Because you spend $450 an hour to do it when I can hire that Yahoo over there, like $10 an hour to just write some checks out and answer some emails or 12 or 25 or hell, $50 an hour. It's less because every moment you're doing what you can hire somebody else to do, your company's losing money because not only your hourly value, because that's what you're spending to get that task done, but also who makes the money? I do. So when I am paying bills and when I am doing office stuff that anybody can do, who's out there bringing in new clients? That's my realm of genius. That's like, so if somebody else is doing that, uh, my 450 to $500 an hour is spent going and gaining more money coming into the company because mm-hmm. I'm not having to do that. I am able to go spend my time generating revenue instead, instead of spending a ridiculous amount of revenue, literally money I'm losing on doing those tasks myself. Cece, I have a question about that though. Let's say someone's listening to this right now and they're like, well, well, wait a second. Like, that's great for her. She's 450, 500 bucks an hour. She's built this incredible company. Her name is everywhere. It's on the shirt. It's on the mug, right? Like that's for her right now. Maybe they don't know what to do. Maybe if they paid someone $50 an hour, they would have a moment of like, wait, what am I supposed to do now? Because they're so used to being caught up in kind of the busy work, you know, for someone who maybe feels like their time is only worth 30, 40, $50 an hour, does this still work? Yes. Okay. Because any way you look at it, even if you're, even if you're $15 an hour, which you should be way more than that if you're running your own business. Okay. Take every task you do that you run in your business and assign it at $4, $4 and add that up. That that's, you know, like bare minimum, you're making more, you're more, you're more valuable than $15 an hour. Okay. So let's say that you only equate yourself at 50 to $75 an hour. If you hire somebody to come in and you pay them $12 an hour, any way you look at it, any way you look at it, you can go now be the face of your business, whether you're a photographer, floral designer, caterer, whatever you can be out marketing. You can be out, um, 
making connections. You can be out um, doing lives, posting on your social media, doing reels, all the stuff to get you more visibility, that that's going to bring in more money because you sitting over here paying your bills and get in scrubbing buckets is yes, a task that has to be done, but it's not making you money. So I don't care if you charge $30 an hour or $1,000 an hour, you just got to look at the value as you're, you're the moneymaker, shake your moneymaker, you're the moneymaker. So when your moneymaker is doing tasks that somebody else can do, not only are you losing money, but you're not out doing what can bring in more money. So like you said, if you hire them and you're like, now what do I do? Go make more money. Like just realize <laughs> that you no longer have to do the busy work. So go hobnob, go socialize, put a mask on, go deliver cookies, candies, say hi, drop off your cards, go to venues, go to reels, go do social media, have brunches with people, make connections, I go to conferences, whatever you need to do, because that's what's making you money, not you paying bills and sitting at your desk shuffling paperwork. Preach. It has to that's be done, so but it's not making you money. <laughs> I love it. I think it's such a powerful message for so many of the incredible women who are in this community, because like you said, I, I see this with my mom, with my wife, with my sisters, like they do want to do it all. And it's very, very, very hard, like you said, to take off that hat of wanting to do everything. And also I think an incredible superpower that many women I've met, and I, I have so many strong women in my family, but you know, you're extremely practical in a lot of ways. And you're like counting up then, you know, how much will $15 an hour or 20 bucks an hour? What if they don't do it the right way? And like, so there's all this, you, I think a lot of people may even back themselves, just like you backed yourself into a position of saying, I can't afford not to hire this person. Mm -hmm. They backed themselves into a corner saying, I can't afford to hire this person. I think that's that little mindset shift. Yeah. Um, it's flipping it. It's yep. just flipping it. And, and, to add to that, once they're there, like once I hired my first assistant and I realized that, that they were starting to make my life easier, I would have sold a kidney to make sure I could pay for her to stay here. Yeah. Like that's the other part of it. It's kind of like the field of dreams mentality. If you build it, she will come. All right. So if you hire them, you will find a way to pay for them. And yeah. that just closes a bigger, more excessive, more like I'm hustling now to keep them here. Like that's like your mindset just changes. I love that. I love that. Well, Cece, we, it's so funny. Normally we do this thing called the wedding wheel and we're actually going to be substituting it out. So there's a couple of different fun parts of our, our show that are not uh, necessarily just specifically ab about the interview themselves, but we do have this thing called the wedding wheel. So um, I, what I'm going to do is we are actually going to substitute the wedding wheel today for a segment of the show that we call OMG. And this is that like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going on moment that you've experienced at a wedding, at an event, maybe at a networking meeting, whatever industry relevant experience that you want to share with us. It was just like, <gasps> like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? It could be something crazy, scandalous, dramatic. Um, you know, we, we get all sorts of fun answers, but being in this industry, I know we kind of have all seen a little bit of a little bit of everything. So do you have something for us that is an OMG moment for you? I mean, I got like 80, maybe 95. And I know we don't have <laughs> enough time for that, but I'm going to have to just go with like the two really that okay. they're equal that just popped into my head. Um, so the first one is probably the most recent, not the most recent one, but probably has been within like the last two years. Um, the biggest wedding I had to date um, I was doing this huge, huge, huge wedding. Um, 
like at that point, it was the biggest one I had ever done. Um, it was required production at the yin yang. And my, and I had hired a lead designer that had been in the industry and I knew her for years, but I also knew she had a bad habit of just being like, I'm, I quit. Like, like, like she quit all the, everybody everywhere in the, the whole town. You know what I'm saying? And so I was very aware of like, don't depend too much on her because at any point she could just be gone. And as long as I go in with that mindset, I'll be okay. So it was like the largest wedding I had had to date. I'm up on a like lift and I like hollered, like hollered, you can come from the South. I had like yelled across the room to ask for something. And she thought I was yelling at her. She's up and quit. She's like, I'm out. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, do you see what has to, no, no. And she was like, yes, I'm gone. And I was just like, <laughs> and like, literally it was very still magnolias. I don't know if you know, when, when they're at the funeral scene, she's crying and then she's fine. And then she's crying and she's like, no, I got it. And then I was like, <laughs> I don't know, we're fine. We're going to make this work. Everybody. Okay. You're going to do this and you're going to do this. And then I would cry in the back for like a second. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're going to make this. Every moment I make your cry, we ain't getting shit done. Okay. So we're going to make it. And my husband was like, are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. I'm so fine. I'm fine. And I know he's heard every time I said I'm fine like I'm about to just spontaneously combust made it through it like got it done I had a new designer that had just started that day she is now my lead designer so totally showed her value but I remember thinking that is probably the worst like oh my god moment I have personally had in a wedding um but the other one was years and years and years ahead of that we were um, doing a wedding at a venue that was a big open venue and had like a loft area and it was a very old building like when you walked across the floor it was like <laughs> and they were having the ceremony downstairs and the reception upstairs so we were done we'd set the reception the planner had already walked downstairs the venue owner was like y'all gotta get out because you can't walk around up here because the floor's squeaky and we're like okay and all my team I was like get out get out and the photographer was like making one more round just shooting some stuff and I don't know what happened. They had not locked the table. I don't know that something, there wasn't even anybody over by it, but like the green cake area, which was like a cake with like all these little mini pies and stuff like that, just collapsed, just collapsed. And in that moment, I wanted to be like, run, like everybody just get out. It's not, on, you know, it has nothing to do with us. Just leave. We'll pretend like we didn't see it. The photographer is like looking at me. She's like, I didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, I'm like getting all my team. I'm like, we're like tiptoeing out there. And there's just like mini cakes and pies like everywhere. I can't get the planner. You know, the photographer, like three of my team, I'm like scooping up pie and there's nowhere to go. There's no trash cans. So I'm shoving it in all the mouths of everybody that's around me because I just got to get rid of it because there's no place to take it. So like all my employees who were starving were so thankful because I'm shoving pie and like I'm literally like scooping it up, just trying to get it off the floor, shoving it in their mouth or shoving it in their apron. I'm shoving it like in my top. Like we're just trying to get it off. We get the table sat back up. The cake, thank God, stayed together. And then, like, now they're, I mean, we can't really go anywhere because the more you move, the more it's creaking. So we're just trying to stay still, get it up. There's all these, like, spots all over the linen now to where, like, oh, icing wasn't no. every day. 
And I just happened to have some flowers still in my pocket because I didn't want to walk again. And we're getting flowers and greenery out. We're like laying them strategically on the places <laughs> where the linen's dirty. And then finally we leave. And afterwards, when we came to break down, I, I told the planner, I was like, can you believe that table? Like, you couldn't even tell. And she was like, what? It's like, you do know that the whole entire room's gang table now? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this... This is the oh. magic of magic of, of so many incredible wedding vendors because they make this stuff happen. They make these like magical moments happen where no one else knows that yep. an entire disaster almost unfolded and you totally saved the day. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. she's like, I noticed it looked a little different. I was like, oh, <laughs> we redesigned it. It's fine. I still got a pod in here somewhere if you want it. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Oh man. So Cece, thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to wrap up here in a second, but I, I have to ask you a question. So many people in the industry, especially after everything that's happened in the last year, and I think maybe more specifically in California, New York, different places that have experienced heavier lockdowns, they don't, they, their businesses have really gotten hurt. They've really been impacted. And, and what was very fun maybe a couple of years ago, isn't as fun anymore. And so my question for you is like, where does your energy come from? Because you've got this crazy, infectious, bubbly personality that just, just comes at you. You know, whether we're talking here or whether you're on Clubhouse, which is where we met or, you know, wherever it is, like, like your personality just really shines through. And there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of positivity. And that's so incredible. And I know so many vendors that get jaded. They get upset. They get bummed. Nothing's good. They're complaining. And it, and it shows up at the networking meetings, right? You're seeing with them talking and all oh, my clients and la la la. And everyone has like, you know, everyone's talking shit about yeah. clients or other vendors or whatever. So where does your energy come from? Where does this like, like, you know, passion for what you're doing come from? How do you stay amped up? Like, do you just come after this and you're just, Ooh, you know, done? Or are you, are you just like this always talk to me? I, I am like this always. The only time you will ever see me kind of deflated is um, I speak at Wedding NBA every year. I don't know if you yeah. know what that is. Yep, and yep. Um, that my husband loves Wedding NBA because it's the only time I ever just stop. Because after 3,000 people are all day long, selfies that, and talking nonstop in the moment that I get up. And like I said, meeting, meeting greets. Da, 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 da. I mean, Oh my God, when I get back to the hotel room, they're like, what do you, I'm like, shh, 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 shh. I'm just like, it's the only time. And I'm just like, just let me just, mm -mm. Um, but other than that, I am always like this. I mean, am I down? I have days that I am down and I am just like in a bad mood and I'm pissy and I'm snappy, but I don't know if it's because I have ADHD and I call it my superpower or if it's because I'm a seven and I'm just always energetic and moving to the next thing. So I don't stay in a negative place. I mean, I'll talk about somebody all day long with the best person, but then five minutes later, I'm like, what's happening? You know what I mean? Like we've just moved on. Yeah. And I, I think that. Do you have some hints? Like, like for how people, because if people are listening to this right now going, oh my God, I want that. I want a little bit of that, like excitement and love for what, is it gratitude? Is it like, do you, is there something that you kind of tap into personally that helps kind of continue driving you on those days you feel down? Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that one of the things I've realized in my older age is that 
it's all fleeting. You know, we even it, nothing lasts forever, good and bad. So even if it's a moment that I'm just down and I'm depressed or something like that, I'm like, you know what? It's not going to last forever. I'm going to be out of this tomorrow in 24 hours, seven days, whatever. You know, I mean, I just know that there's going to be like, as cheesy as it sounds, that silver lining on the other side. And that the more I stay in the negative place, the longer it lasts. This is one of the things I love to tell people because I am a very religious person. And I, I feel like God allows you to go through very tumultuous point, points in your life, not to, um, not to punish you, but to teach you. And the amount of time that, it, that you stay there is up to you. There have been times that I've been like, why is this going on for so long? And then I have this epiphany of like, okay, because I haven't learned yet what God was trying to teach me. So a lot of times I'll be like, what you need me to know, God? What, you know, like, can we hurry up with this? Like, I'm not grasping it. Someone needs you to break it down for me because the sooner I realize what I truly believe, why I'm in that moment and I understand it and I learn from it is as quick as I come out of it. Mm -hmm. And also another thing too is, just having faith in that I truly believe God won't ever put any more on me than I can handle yeah. ever. And so, you know, I know that this sucks and this is rough, but this, I can handle it. I just have to figure out how to handle it. It's a lot of gratitude. It's a lot of knowing that there's no other job in the world I would rather do except for being on a stage singing. Like this is it. And that each day I hate it or I get mad at it. Still, I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world to go back to nine to five, you know, like, I do get to see my daughter more and spend time with her and she gets to see her mom. I mean, she goes to school and tells people her mom's famous. And I'm like, baby girl, I'm not, but that's sweet. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. what she banks of her. So anytime I have those moments where I'm me and self-loathing or whatever, I pray. I know that God's got a plan and that this is all part of it. I try to figure out what I am supposed to be learning from this. And I have to remember that I got a little seven-year-old that's watching me and I want to be an inspiration to her that I also have all these mouths to feed around here that rely on me being this person. And, and in a lot of it is just natural um, that you just, when you radiate positivity as much as possible, that's what you surround yourself with. When I am negative, snappy, and irritable, everybody around me gets negative, snappy, and irritable. But when I'm like, everybody's like, oh my God, you're huge. So you, you really do bounce back what you, you put out. And so I try to wake up that way. But if I do get into my head, it happens all the time. I've mm -hmm. surrounded myself with really amazing people that get me out of it. And um, I don't stay there long, but I am like this 24. I mean, it's a whole nother talk talking about branding. I tried to brand myself as this not me person. And this, this kept coming out. And finally, I was just like, suck it. This is who I am. This is the way I'm going to be. Either y'all going to like it or you're not going to like it. Yep. And that's totally when everything took off. Because I just embraced that I am loud, over the top, energetic, all the things. Wow. All the well, Cece, All the time. I, I want to have you back on because I think that we could get into, okay. I have some questions about the coaching. I have questions, so many questions about the marketing and branding, and you've done such an incredible job with that, obviously, but thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with all of us your perspective on business and kind of some of these incredible, incredible topics, time management. I mean, this is so valuable. You've shared so much. And so I really appreciate it. Where can everyone, anyone find you? Like if they're looking to either hire you uh, as a coach uh, for floral design, like where, where do people find you? Where would you like them to reach out to you at? The best place to find me these days is on Clubhouse. You can always find me on Clubhouse. 
but definitely my Instagram, go into my link tree. That is where we have links to um, free downloadables, our newsletter. You always want to be on our newsletter. I'm not really sure when this is airing, but we're opening CC School up this Friday, which you can't usually get into it any other time except for when the cart's open. We're having a clubhouse special and we're opening it up for 24 hours. And so even if this is after that, we'll probably do that again many, um, at some point. So you, And let me ask you, how many, yeah. how many coaching students or how many students do you normally take on at one time? One, one million, one million. No, um, look, this, what I have, see, this is a whole nother talk. What I have with CC school, it's a membership. It's a monthly membership group. So I teach live. If you can't figure out me on live, like me pre-recorded is like a lead balloon. Me live is like, oh, she might spontaneously combust into flames. People love me live. So CC school is a live membership educational platform that's monthly. So people pay to be a part of my Facebook membership group and we teach in there live four times a month. We have a guest speaker, a um, business teaching, a, a design teaching, and then we have a social. And so it can house a thousand people. It can house 10 people. Right now we have a little over 230 people in there. Um, and so because it's group and it's live i mean we have not re reached our maximum yet if that answers your question that's so totally that, cool. that's how i do most of my coaching is in there cool i love it all right so find you on clubhouse and what was that time you said there was a weekly and for anyone who is listening to this right now who is not on clubhouse you should get on clubhouse because it's amazing you can connect with so many amazing people just like ucc other wedding and event and educators you. <laughs> well, and we met on there and that was so much fun. Right. Megan Ely recommended you on the, after actually after the podcast that she was on. Right. Um, and then I, we like bumped into each other in a, a room and then so. Right. I said, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate your yeah. time and we'll have to do this again at some point. Absolutely. And all my clubhouse, I do have like. 80 a week, I swear, but they're all in my bio on Clubhouse. So if you find me on Clubhouse, you can find out when Live with CC is, um, when Enneagrams and Cocktail is. I mean, when we have Sundays, I have who did you find and what did you learn on, on Clubhouse? But all of that is really kind of circled back to my, my Instagram too. So you can find me there on Facebook. I do have a, I do have a free Facebook group called Live with CC. That's like the mothership that the Live with CC from Clubhouse kind of branched off of. So, um, yeah, you can kind of find me anywhere. I mean, like OnlyFans, only we're, we're cutting it there. Like no OnlyFans. No OnlyFans? Other than that. Come on. No. <laughs> almost if I lose some more weight and not be almost 50, we were going to do that. If we were going to do that. <laughs> I love it. Well, so. well, I appreciate you being on the show. You're, you're so much fun, uh, so much energy, and I can't wait for people to listen to this. So it will be live in about two and a half, three weeks or so. Um, yes. We release every week. Uh, we have multiple little clips and videos. And so I can't wait for everyone to see you on there. I'm so thankful that you had me and that we found each other on Clubhouse. And it's I, like, you know, we're like this now. Meant to be, absolutely. So we'll, we'll definitely do something again. All right, thanks so much. All right, cool. Bye.